life still happens. Right. What's the difference between going through a hardship as a non-believer versus going through a heartbreak as a believer? Well, it's it's totally different because because it's like you say you're going if you're not a non-believer and you're 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 going through the hardship of a divorce or whatever. So then you start then you start blaming God for the, for the events that are happening. But it's like you say it's life when when you when you're a believer and 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 somebody dies or somebody you get a divorce or something you know that you have that extra strength with God you know you, you don't like being in that situation of course but the bottom line is you know you're not there alone you, you know you're not you're not there alone and so it's a total it's 100% different you know that's the way i look at it before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Proper Creative. They help me with our brand content and, of course, making our swag. They're the ones that ship it out to us. That's Proper Creative, and they work with any type of business, whether you're a big corporation or a small business or even running it out of your house. They will work with you, and they will help you and relieve a ton of liability and work from your shoulders. That's Proper Creative. You can follow them on Instagram, P-R-O-P-R, or you can go to their website at P-R-O-P-R. R-O-P-R-L-L-C.com. Let Proper Creative help you build your brand and sell direct to consumer, regardless of the size of your business. Proper Creative is definitely a good choice. Welcome to another week of Level Up with Matt Rogers. I am your host, Matt Rogers, and we've been gone for a while, and it's 100% this man's fault, Eli. <laughs> Yep. 100% his fault. He went and got the Rona on us. Yep. And I mean, I'm, you know, trying to, I'm upbeat, making light about it, but not funny. It was, I mean, it was not good. It it was uh, different. That's for sure. Different how? Because, I mean, the the tough thing is, I know a lot of people have gotten sick. And unfortunately, I have a lot of friends that have, you know, not made it. Right, right. I got, I got a little worried. Yeah, man. I mean, it was definitely like, it was intense. You know, there's, like this you know i was in bed with a fever for two weeks and the week after that i was exhausted so it was just like definitely uh there was times when i was like oh man like if it gets worse than this we're going to the hospital i mean i did go to the hospital i went to the er you know and got some some fluids and all that but yeah so what what did you do and what did you not do because you and your wife liz you're more of a natural holistic type people like you don't yeah. take shots you don't take vaxes you right. are more of like you know hey i don't want a tylenol i'm gonna smell this lavender yes. like yeah <laughs> what did you do man my wife like she just went for it she went to the the i don't know vitamin shop shoppy and uh <laughs> the shop s-h-o-p-p-e exactly shop hey and uh yeah she just like you know got every supplement that she knew would help and we have some friends that uh are in the medical, you know, industry and and they uh they're also very natural minded. So like, yeah, I get this, that, and the other thing. And I was taking like, man, fifteen, twenty capsules a day. But you did not do monoclonal antibodies, you did nope. not do ivermectin, you did not do hydroxychloroquine. Right. You didn't do any of that. Didn't do that. Because mostly because we didn't have it. I mean we had uh Would you have done that? Because obviously that's a big story, like with Rogan, he did all that, and right. he was like, I think, I'm good. I mean, I was I kind of at the point, like, whatever we need to do, get it, you know, right. get it back. Because I also, like, 
you know, I got it um, on a Sunday morning. I felt like, okay, I'm getting a fever. And I was like playing drums in church. And then by that night, it was like full blown fever and everything. And I was like, oh man, here we go. But that whole week, I had work lined up and all that stuff. And I was like, man, I got to get back to work and get, you know, get right. back to like all these, you know, responsibilities I have. And like, I kept just like, all right, tomorrow I'm going to be better. Tomorrow I'm going to be better. And so, did you got, go to work and go back and do stuff? No, nah, I mean, that. Even like so, even the week after I was COVID free, I was still canceling stuff because I just couldn't get out of bed. I was so exhausted. I like take a shower and I'm like, nope, going back to bed. So. so, do you think before I bring in our guests, I do want to ask you, like, yeah. do you think because I look at COVID kind of like a a tornado? Yeah, it will skip six houses yeah. and then it'll freaking kill one house. Yeah, totally. And it's like almost like Russian roulette with you know a hundred shots, but four of them are loaded. Right, and you just don't know. So, do you think? You were just one of the lucky ones, or do you think it's because of what you took mm -hmm. the natural stuff? I think also, like I'm 31, and you know, not, I'm not like super healthy or anything. Like I'm not sick, but I'm you right. know, I'm not. I don't like take care of myself like I should. But also, I think I'm just not in a high risk bracket, so I think that had to do with it. But yeah, I mean, I think everything we did. You don't look like the Rock with your shirt off, but you definitely are not on the next episode of my 600 pound life. I mean, it's close to the Rock. <laughs> Somewhere <though>. in the <laughs> middle. <laughs> Somewhere closer to the 600 pound life. No. <laughs> but uh yeah, man. I mean, I think it definitely all the things helped that, you know, we were well, doing. So. What scared me the most is because you are one of the most like I love working with you and stuff. Just outside of the podcast, like dude, you're one of the most reliable people I know. Like yeah. I text you and within an hour or two, you text me back. Right. Even if you're busy, hey, dude, I'm busy. I'll hit you back. Right. Dude, I was texting you, and yeah. days were going by, and you weren't hitting me yeah, back. Man. And I'm like, that scared me. Yeah. It was, like, even I think part of that, too, is just like, like, obviously, I was just in bed, like doing nothing. I was just sleeping all day. But uh, just like, even your brain, like, you just forget things. Like, like, so, like, the COVID brain is real? Oh, yeah. And especially like, yeah, the week, the week after and the week after that, like the two weeks following. COVID, it was just like, yeah, I was like forgetting. Like it was like almost forgetting how to interact with people. It was weird. That is weird. Yeah. So is that why you're interacting with me really weird right now? Dude, it's so super strange. awkward to see you. <laughs> like, why no, are you doing kidding. a handstand while we're talking? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, dude, you look good. Thanks, I saw you a couple weeks ago, or what? When did I see you? A week ago? Two weeks ago? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot we did the, that. The yeah. big baby reveal right, is when I saw reveal, you for the yeah. first time. And that was like right after. That was like one of my first things out of the house. Like after I was starting, like really feel better. So two weeks ago, my wife and I revealed we're having our fourth child, which yeah, we're very happy baby. about. A lot of listeners don't even know that. Yeah, forty three thought it was a good idea to have another baby. We yeah. did. I think I should have my wife on here and title it forty three and pregnant. Yeah, that yep. would be a good episode. That's another one. Tear Bear twenty eight. She might be coming back. Nice. Um, and we found out we're having a baby girl. Dude, very excited. So exciting. Eli was here. He filmed it. Uh, the reveal it was awesome yep. we popped a big balloon right here behind us yep we cried we laughed it was good it was really cool but that I, was two weeks ago you look even better now oh thanks man you're glowing are no, you pregnant was, yeah I, uh, six <laughs> weeks actually thanks for breaking that to everyone <laughs> you are the man yeah you, gotta, you got two. two i got number four on the way man and i'm excited to bring in the man that has five kids and I am the baby of his five kids. I never thought I was going to have this interview live, but I'm so pumped. He is here. My daddy is in the house. Yeah, baby. Tim Rogers, the patriarch. Look at that guy. He looks better than you. This is good. Dad, how old are you? 
I will. I am seventy six. I'll be seventy seven in January. So he'll be seventy seven in January. So y'all know this man is a well of knowledge, stories, information. We're gonna talk about it. But honestly, like I think I got my personality and like outgoingness from my mom. But I know that I got like I know I got my work ethic from you and how to treat, how to take care of my wife, a woman from this man. Wow. It's a good man right Thank here. Thank you. That's good. You're a good man. Do you know that you're a good man or do you just, um, you know, I've always, I've always thought I did the right, tried to do the right thing. And, um, but I never thought about, you know, I never thought about, Oh, I'm a good man. Look at that. I did this, but yeah, you know, I just always tried to do the right thing. You know, you did. You, uh, so personality wise, my dad and I are opposite. I'm very loud, boisterous. He's <laughs> he's quiet. He gets loud and boisterous. Like when we play family games and stuff, he's freaking hilarious. Yeah. Like you can't have a good family game unless he's there. I love it. And then when, like if we go on vacation and he's not there, you notice dad's missing. Yeah. He's got the freaking best one liners. His personality comes out a lot more around the family. Right. Um. But you are more subdued. You are more quiet. The thing I love about you when it comes to like my walk with Christ, you've just always lived it. You know, mom talked about it a lot and lived it. You've just always lived it. I've heard this man say two cuss words in my whole life. And both of it, one was when I ticked him off. The other one was when like he hit his head on something. Right. But my whole life, I'm 43. I've heard the guy say two cuss words. That's amazing. Good man right here. Yeah. So, Dad, take me back. I want to know back to the beginning. So you're born in what, 1946? 1945. 1945. Right, right towards the end of the war, actually, World War II. Wow. I think the war ended like in August. Mm -hmm. I was a war baby. You were a war baby. And you're the, you're not the baby. You have, you had how many brothers and sisters? Because one passed away at like nine months old, right? No, he was, he was very young. He was Probably, two, I really don't remember that much, but I think he was like two, maybe two months old at the max, and he uh, passed away of spinal meningitis. Really? So yeah, back I, in the day, we I, didn't know that? Back in the day, you know, I guess a lot of kids passed away that way. But I was the uh, third of ten. Third of ten. So Aunt Rita is older than you, and then Uncle Tommy's the oldest, or is yes. Rita the oldest? No, Aunt Rita's the oldest. Rita's the oldest. Then Tom, then me, then Buddy, then Marianne. No, no, yeah, Marianne. Then Beverly. Then let me get this right. Then Elizabeth. Everybody calls her Betsy. Betsy. Oh, I I miss Joe. Joe, the one that passed away. So I think, I think he might have been. The fifth, I think he was born after Buddy. Okay. And he passed away. And then Elizabeth, who's Betsy, and then Susie. And that's the 10. So I think I got 10 right there, right? Yep. And my uncle Buddy, he passed away about four years ago, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's four years ago. Uncle Buddy was the man. Um, I think you're a good looking dad, but I think Uncle Buddy was the best looking out of yeah. everybody. He was he was smooth. He's and he smooth. Was, he had a hard life though, man. He's a Vietnam vet, but Hands down, just an awesome uncle. I still have a box that he gave me about two years before he passed away. He followed my football career and just yeah. cool letters and stuff from him. Yeah. So, but, buddy, um, buddy was a um, a good brother. I mean, he had a lot of problems after the war, right? 
you know, a lot of them Vietnam vets, when they came back, they weren't treated like vets now. I mean, because that was a bad war, that Vietnam War. That was bad stuff. People, you know, rioting in 68, burning burning their draft cards, burning the flag. That was just a bad scar on America. So when you when that happened back then and you see that stuff happening now, is it the same or is it different? Because we see people burning <clears> flags <throat> now and we're like, how could they? And we think it's new, but they were doing it 50, 60 years ago, right? Yeah. Well, most of it most of it was, you know, kind of started by people that protesting the war. They didn't want to get they didn't want to get drafted. And it was like a chain of command. All the all the blue collar people were were getting their draft draft numbers called and actually in fact i actually went down to the draft board and went to the induction center and i was gonna i was gonna probably get drafted but i was in the start of my career i was in apprenticeship school Mm -hmm. and i was married and i had uh two kids so that got me out of the the war my really uh, yeah my apprenticeship coordinator pulled some strings and i would not have been a good soldier i can tell you that how come (laughs) i I, I don't like guns for one thing. I don't right. like guns, and I just can't see myself being a being a soldier. I might have been trained to be one, but I, I couldn't. Now I couldn't see myself ever being a very good soldier. So what what did you like? I mean, since I moved to Tennessee, like, not that I like guns, but you know, it's fun to shoot guns and and stuff. And I have a ton of guns in my safe over here, you know, just for protection and hunting and stuff. You never were that. Like you and I, you never took me shooting. You definitely no. took me fishing. Right. You are the ultimate fisherman. <laughs> uh, what were you like when you were younger? So if you're born in 45, 55, 65, so in 65, you're like in your prime. You're in, you're 20 years old, right? Right. What were you like? Because you were married and you had two kids before you even met, you know, mom, my mom. Yeah. What were you like? I was, you know, I was actually probably pretty immature to tell you the truth i was just you know i didn't in high school i never date i never had a girlfriend in high school didn't go to the senior prom didn't go to none of the functions all i wanted to do was work my first job was you know i like bowling so my first job was keeping score at a bowling alley really i would i would get 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 going right after school walk to the bowling alley and they would start leagues at like six in the six in the evening and nine. And I was making like, you know, guys would tip you. I was probably making 20 bucks a night, which was pretty good money. You know, yeah. and the, what, what is that? When you're in high school, early sixties, you're 15, yeah, 16 six, years no, old. I was right. 60, probably 59, 60, 61, somewhere in there. Cause I graduated in 63. So that was my first job working at a bowling alley. And then I'd, go back and help the mechanics in the back when they set in the pins and stuff like that. Pops didn't chase those ladies, Eli. He chased them greenbacks. That's right. You know what I'm saying? It's good. And in the bowling alley, did you have that sick left hook? Because dad's a lefty. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Man. Were you still, were you? I was pretty good. You know, we, me and Holly started bowling again about four years ago. She got me into the senior league. And, you know, I, I could still every once in a while Pound out a two thirty game, you know. Come but, on, really? Oh yeah, but I mean, I'm not like I was when when I was in high school. I mean, I had a one at one time. I had a one ninety four average. My best score ever is a one eighty four. So yeah. the fact that you get still thrown out a two thirty something, that's yeah, that's legit. 
Yeah, and so but you were always an athlete because I look at old paper clippings and stuff, and you were good in basketball. Very my whole childhood, you know, grew up in church basketball leagues. You loved James Worthy, and you know, we grew up in the Lake Show era. So Pops always rocked 42. He loved James Worthy, but he would still have that Kareem Sky hook. Yeah. We we were my dad had us very active in sports. All all especially me, me, Buddy, and Tom. Tom played at La Mirada High School. He was a very good very good shooter you know and and buddy was like I, I, buddy was probably the best athlete of all of us really i didn't yeah, know that yeah he was i thought johnny was no not john Ooh, I, johnny's gonna listen to this and he's gonna get mad at you no I, john was a good athlete <laughs> but i you know i think you buddy, weren't as good uncle johnny you weren't as good as buddy i think buddy actually before he went drafted in the war i think he was gonna go to uh cal state fullerton and and be a running back there you know, Are you serious? That, yeah, he was really good. His team, he played he played for this team called the La Marana Knights, and they won, like, because we, we grew up later when we were in high school, we grew up in La Marana. He played for the La Marana Knights, and they had, at one time they had won, like, 56 games in a row. Dude. So they went they went to, like, a bowl, not a bowl game, but the, they got an invitation to go to Hawaii and they played the team called the Nana Cooley Seasiders. And these kids were like <laughs> twice as big as Buddy's team. And they got routed. But I think Buddy scored like three touchdowns in that game. Dude, that's cool. He was really a good football so, player. Do you think had he not got drafted, it would have been way different? Or did he want to go to war or did he get drafted? He just got drafted and Ugh. he and he um Buddy was the type, you know, he he like he went to boot camp. And made in boot camp made staff sergeant. Dang. So then when he went over to Vietnam, you know, I heard stories from him. He went to Vietnam and they got actually he got he got a bronze star and they actually got I don't know what what different they have different segments, you know, of the war. And he got him his his whole unit got pinned down and they were in a, a crossfire, front, back. They couldn't no way out. And uh he, uh, all his commanding officers were were killed. So he was the leader of the whole, whatever remaining guys he, he had got in him there. out, and they got him out of there. Yeah, but well, I think, he was the leader that he got them out, almost kind of like a yeah. Forrest Gump, like got his troops out, right? Well, there, there. He's actually at his funeral. They they uh, had a clipping. My sister Rita had a clipping where he actually had. Two guys die in his arms, oh and, and at the war memorial just two weeks ago, they had a war memorial there in Corona, and he they had the two names of the guy guys that he uh, that died in his arm. One guy's name was Ron, Ronnie Pimental, I think. I forget mm -hmm. the other guy's name, but he saw a lot of lot of bad stuff over there. He did like, but as a kid, like I never saw that of him. Every time I would see Uncle Buddy, he was normally at the Christmas party stuff. Yeah, give me a hug and. The, when I played football, it was awesome because I, I really started getting close to Uncle Buddy because he went to all my games. Like, it yeah. didn't matter if I was in Indiana, Wisconsin, he'd freaking show up. Wow. And this was before cell phones and stuff. So somehow he would get a hold of me and say, hey, just, and my dad would always tell me, just make sure you have two tickets for Uncle Buddy. That's so cool. And he would, he was always there and he always gave me money. Like, <laughs> well, cause you know, like you're in college, a hundred bucks goes a long way. He would just always like, Hey man, I love you, but he'd always bring like a work friend or a girlfriend and he'd like show me off. Like, dude, he made me feel awesome. awesome. And then he would stash like a hundred or two hundred bucks in my coat. What, what school was that? 
a University of Iowa. Iowa, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Dude, it was awesome. So going, so going back to you, Dad. Like, so what were you? You said you were immature. I've only known you and Mom as like believers. We grew up in a Pentecostal church, so we saw some really, you know, extravagant things. Right. But you weren't like that no. in your twenties. Like, were you no a heathen? Were you a bad guy? No. Like, what were you like? We grew up. My parents. We grew up in a Catholic church, so we went. We went to mass every day. My dad was a, a every day. I mean, not every day. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Okay. So we would go to mass on Sunday. My dad was a, a, an usher, and he was actually a, they have a, a like the Knights of Columbus. He was in the Knights of Columbus, and he was the Grand Knight one one year. They they have an election and they vote the guy, and he was the Grand Knight. So we'd go to church every Sunday, but most. Mostly in my childhood, I remember we were always involved in sports, basketball, football. Me and Buddy were always in the same league, and Tom was always a league above us. But um, my dad would be the coach a lot of times. But for the boys, we were just centered around sports because my dad loved sports. He had he had uh, SC tickets all the time. He took me to the SC games against Notre Dame. I saw some... I saw some great players. I saw Paul Hornig. No way. When he played for Notre Dame, I saw John Arnett, who played for SC. I mean, John Arnett. God, I mean, you're going back, you know, in the fifties, you know. That's and that's why I grew up a USC family. You yeah. know, we grew up SC. You took me to some good. You took me to my first NFL game. We were talking about this last night. I saw the Rams versus the Giants. The yeah. LA Rams. Versus the Giants, and the, Eric Dickerson was the running back for the Rams, and Lawrence Taylor was the Dang. linebacker That's for the cool. Giants. Pops took me. That was my first NFL really game. Cool. So you're talking about your dad. That is uh, Joseph, my Joseph. middle name. Yeah. So Uncle Johnny tells me everyone loved your dad. Like, yeah. respected in the community, really good salesman. Right. Like, everyone loved him. But, I mean, do you – are you – personality wise were you like him or you different because he kind of seems like he was white collar and you're very blue collar like you were insulated you fixed everything in the house like i never remember you outsourcing anything no for people to come over and fix something you always fixed it yeah he he, my dad was a salesman like you say he was like one of the top salesmen for the for the company and so he was that totally that you know so Mm -hmm. but that that's the thing going going to school Going to school, you know, everybody was getting degrees and stuff. But I knew going to school because all I wanted to do was work. When I, you know, I didn't want to go to college. I did horrible in school. I, you know, I, I saw. That's where I get it from. I saw. <laughs> it's your I, fault. Got it. If I saw a C, all I'd have to do is put a deal there and a mark there, and it looked like an A. But if I got C's, if I got C's, I was a happy man. So I knew I had I a job you. lined up I for me. You. I knew I had a job lined up for me out of high school. In fact, I worked my summer year. I worked or my junior year. I worked in the summer and made enough money to buy a brand new car, a brand new car, brand new Ford, brand new, brand new 30. I think it was 3,300 bucks. Dang. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it was a diff- it was just a different time growing up. It was because I just ruined the tailgate on my truck when we went camping in Tahoe and just my tailgate. Is gonna cost me fifty five hundred bucks. You got a new car for thirty five hundred bucks. 
Times have changed. Times have changed. But you, um, so going back to like, because I want to talk about, you know, before you met mom, you were married, you got a divorce, you were married to Barbara. Right. Which, by the way, now, like, we are all, I mean, it's just so crazy how well our life looked. Blended family, yeah. Yeah, because, like, I hear so many people, you know, divorce and this and that, and their families, they hate each other, like. I love Barbara. Right. Like Barbara's yeah. awesome. I see Barb probably like once a year. Yeah. This was the lady that you married before you married my mom. And I was even born. And I mean, I, I only have, I don't have one bad thing or bad memory about Barbara. Like it was always just yeah. love Barbara. There's Barbara. Yeah. But so taken back, like back in the day, you, it, it doesn't work out for you and Barbara. Like why? Like what, what happened? Well, I think, basically i think it might have been my more my fault because i was very immature and i and i uh i worked a lot and then we had we had kenny first and then bridget and then it just seemed like you know we were both too maybe both too immature i mean i never she was my first girlfriend so i never even i had never had a girlfriend in high school I never had dated in high school, mm-hmm. you know, I, it just wasn't my thing, you know? And so it just, you know, it just didn't work out. And, um, I think the reason that like with Bridget and Kenny, although they're your stepsisters, we never, well, especially mom, she never treated them like right. stepkids. She treated them like, Hey, they're part of the family. And that's why you guys are so close. And it's, it's true. Like I never used the word, we weren't allowed Eli, we were not allowed to use the word step or half brother yeah. or sister in the house. Correct. That's awesome. We weren't allowed. I mean, that's really good for like just forming a family bond to you, like just to put that boundary in place. It that's was. So and I, and I, it, the cool thing is I never looked at Kenneth or Bridget differently than I worked at, than I looked at Timmy or Danielle. I saw Timmy and Danielle more because we lived with each other, but it was always cool to see Kenneth and Bridget because they were older, they were cooler. Yeah. Like my brother Kenny looked like freaking Ivan Drago in the eighties <laughs> and it was right around Rocky four. Yeah. So I always thought Kenny was like freaking he man. Awesome. Like he was bad. And then Bridget, dude, she was just always like a ball of sunshine every time she walked in and yeah. she was just, she was cool. Like yeah. they were the cool teenagers and I was this nerdy little <laughs> chubby kid, but I, but you did a good job because I never looked at them as halves. So I always looked at them as, yeah. Older brother, older sister. Yeah, we, so, in, we included them in everything. In fact, in the summers, they spent a lot, you know, a lot of the summer at our house, almost all three months, you know, and they didn't want to go home, you know, because they loved being around you guys and loved being, ar- loved being around mom, you know, because she, she treated them equal, you know. There was no favorites. So how did that work out? So you're, you're married to Barbara, you have two kids, and then, you know, you see mom. How did you meet mom and and like the divorce and marrying mom and all that. How that, because at this time you you guys are Catholic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're, we were Catholic going to, going to Catholic church. She worked at, uh, she worked at a teacher's aid as at, uh, St. Louis where you guys went. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember one Sunday she went to, uh, she went to church. Well, first of all, well, how did tell me how you met her first? First of all, I met her, Believe it or not, I met her at a dance club, like a club. So, yeah, this club. So after I got di- after I got a divorce from Barbara, um, I started going to this dance club because it was cool. You know, I'm I'm free now. I had long hair. I looked like a hippie. So I'm free 
free and easy. So I'm just, you know, I'm not, you I'm, not, I'm not walking with the Lord. I'm a good guy, but I'm I'm right. not I'm not going to church no Did more. Did you look like a hippie or were you a hippie? I wasn't a hippie. No, I look I tried to pretend like I was a hippie. Hey, did you? I had long curly hair. So I met her. I met her at this dance. Did you get high? Huh? Did you get high back in the day? Uh, I think I just, I didn't inhale. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pull a Clinton on that. I I didn't didn't inhale. inhale. I didn't inhale. All right. So you look like a hippie. You don't inhale. You're in the nightclub. And then what? So (laughs) I saw your mother. I saw your mother. I walked in and, and actually, I met all all my high school buddies there, and they kind of had like the run of this club, and so they kind of w- pulled me in and said, "Hey, man, just come you know, hang with us." So I remember going in there, and I ain't looking for nothing. I'm because I got a divorce, so I ain't looking for for love. I ain't looking for get remarried. And you're how old? Twenty two. I was. Uh, this was in young seventy, so I'm twenty five now. Okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be a grown man, right? right? I'm supposed to be acting like a grown man. But hey, I was because like, I never did the, no partying in high school, so right. this was like my party years. So I walk into the club, and I don't know how long I've been going there, maybe one or two weeks. So I go to this club one time. I walk in there, and boom, there's your mother sitting there with this this girl named Dodie. And so I'm thinking, how am I gonna? And I was pretty open then. I was dancing with people and stuff. Right. So I go, how am I gonna? get her to dance with me because she ain't going to dance with me. She's too good looking. So I went up and asked her girlfriend to dance. And your mother was sitting there. Well, there you go. Your mother was that one by asking the other one to dance. (laughs) So your mother was sitting there. And so I'm, I'm dancing with this girl, and you know, in those days, you're, you're dancing and doing whatever. And the you, chubby you checker. Still, yeah, you're doing the twist. No, you're not doing that. But the twist and shout. So I ask her. I I go, what is what is the deal with that blonde? What do, you know? Does she date? And she goes, she's been checking you out. I go, seriously? Let's go. Yeah. I said seriously. And so after that dance, I started dancing with her, and then we would meet there she she had a job and we would meet there every saturday and sun every friday and saturday night i would have just went straight up and said look it i'm going to be honest with you first of all your name's dodie you're out <laughs> secondly i like the hot blonde standing next to you i'm just using you to get to her but no i'm just gonna. so you asked her out mm-hmm. and we and, started we started dating yeah and and what uh, was she like she was like a good catholic girl right you yeah. were hey were you a bad Catholic boy and she was a good Catholic girl? I think we- so, yeah. I think so. <laughs> because, you know, uh, I remember going over there one time and uh, meeting her dad, and he didn't like me because of my Oof. but my hair and stuff. And But he ended up loving me. I mean, I was like his favorite for a while, yep. you know, until he passed away. But, yeah, she she was a Catholic. She was just She was younger than me because she was just out of high school. And she had a job at uh, this restaurant, Rod's, down there. And we couldn't wait to see each other. I mean, I, I looked forward to Fridays and Saturdays because I knew she'd be there, you know. And then um, after a while, we, we kept dating and dating. And funny story is, she said it was one of them things like after a while, she said, you know, paint or get off the ladder. You know, marry me or trade me. Did she really say paint or get off the ladder? No, she she just she she just put it there and say, hey, we've been going out for I think we've been going out for a year, and I knew I loved her, but I was mm-hmm. always had this thing like, 
if I get married again, what if it fails? So I had, I still had a little bit of insecurity in me, like, God, I don't want to marry. I really love her. I don't, I want, really want to get married, but right. what if I get married again and it blows up in me? And you know, so it worked out. It worked so out. did she kind of like, cause the way she used to tell me the story, she made it sound like, and it's, you know, I haven't talked to her in what, 17 years. Cause she passed away in 04, but she made it sound like she kind of held you to the fire. Like you said, like, Either marry me or I'm gone. Right. Almost like she pressured you into marrying her. Did she or not? She she didn't pressure me. I mean, if you look at it that way, she did pressure me. But I knew I wanted to marry her because I right. knew she was a catch, and I and I knew she was a good woman. And I I in in my mind I go, you know, why not take a why not take a chance? You know, I mean, right. this, this is is probably going to be a really good thing. You know, all right. So I mean, you could look at it. You could look at her. And say, well, did she pressured him? But I don't look at it that way. Right. I look at it like, hey, I, she, she did the right thing by doing that, or I might have missed the great opportunity. You know. Yes. Because we are going to talk about you know after mom passed away, and then you know <clears throat> you became on the market, and we did feel like someone was pressuring you, and that's different. I want to compare the two, but before we get to that, so Mary mom, and she got pregnant. And then there was an earthquake, and she fell down the stairs yeah. and lost the baby. Right? Yeah, she was. She uh, she was about. I don't think she was that far along. Maybe three months. And there was a big earthquake. I think that was in seventy one, the yeah. Silmar earthquake. Yep. And we were living in a bachelor apartment, and we were our bedroom was upstairs, and we were running down the stairs, and the stairs were just like moving like that, and she stumbled and fell, and I remember going to work that day i was working down in la on wilshire boulevard and all everything was closed down it looked like a you know like a war zone down there glass in the street and i remember going home and she was sitting we were living at our mom's for like two or three months and i remember sitting there in the on the couch in the rocker recliner and crying and she said yeah i lost the baby how hard was that that was hard very hard for her very, I mean, it, hard, hard for me, but I mean, it devastated her. She never told me much about it. Like, what was, like, what, what was it like? She, she was just like depressed for like a week or two. In fact, her mother, her mother, Anita, she would say, you know, your husband's coming home, get fixed up. You know I mean? She, she just sitting there wouldn't, wouldn't do nothing for about a week or two. As far as I remember, you know, it was, it took her, it hit her hard different times like like moms nowadays telling their daughters get fixed up your husband's coming home like that doesn't really it happens right. you know, but just a different time yeah. yeah i want those old school things to come back not just that but like other things like when adults sit around the table back in the day like the kids weren't allowed to come up to the <laughs> table and bug them and you left the adults alone with respect. Now it's like, you know, little Johnny climbs on the table. It's like, oh, that's just Johnny. He's a kid. It's like, right. no, dummy. Get your kid off the table. Right. Let's freaking get to the Anyway, I, uh, I retract. I retract. <laughs> so then you get pregnant again. You have uh, my older, not oldest sister, Danielle. Right. Then you have Timmy. Both of them are born with godparents. Something happened between when Timmy was born in 74 and when I was born in 78 that you got, quote, born again. Right. What happened? And by born again, I mean born again Christian. That means you're no longer a Catholic and you became, I mean, mom was a freaking radical, <laughs> spirit-filled, holy roller, Bible-thumping Christian. Like, what happened? 
Okay, she she went she went to this. It was like I forget the exact year. It was probably seventy seventy seven seventy eight. And so there was this church in San Dimas, mm-hmm. and the Catholics had this thing going on that was called the Charismatic Movement. So she went she went down to the church. Well, her mother went. It was like a one one week deal. They were having this charismatic youth. Uh, movement. So her mother went down, and you know, grandma. She was mm-hmm. kind of grandma. So grandma her mother, needs- her mother called up her and said, "I just went to the service, and I'm a born again Christian." I go, oh, and mom, Sam says, "Well, I'm going to go to tomorrow night." So I think she went the next night. And I think Charlene went with her. So Charlene's my aunt. Aunt, yeah, says, that's your mom's aunt. sister. And so they drugged me the next night. And I'm I'm standing there, and it was it was the Holy Ghost was in there, and I remember closing my eyes, and and they were singing a song, and I remember like just a a brush of wind, like Jesus just walked by me, you know. Really? Yeah, it was just it was crazy. Because you're just, that's why I know it's real. Because you're not a charismatic guy. You're no, not. No. Not, a, not not at all. So for you to say that. It must have really. It, it was some. It was something. It was a. It was a God moment right there. So then, fast forward. Then 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 she started going to Kavina Assembly. But in the meantime, you you guys were uh, you were still in St. Louis, and I think she was helping there. I was it, born in seventy eight, but when I was born, I don't have godparents. Yeah. Timmy and Danielle. So, they all have godparents. I know. So yeah, and then then we were going to Kavina Assembly. But what happened? What really happened is, I don't know if it was you or Tim. One day on Fridays, I think you guys took first communion at the church. Mm-hmm. But one one Friday or something, it was either you or or Tim. I think it was Tim. They wouldn't let him let him take communion because he was going to another church. That's how kind of backwards, I don't want to say backwards, but they right. were kind of backwards, the Catholic Church then. So that just ruffled mom's feathers and she says, you know, you're you're not right. You're not gonna go there no more. So Wow. And then we started going to Kavina Assembly and that's that's how I got indoctrinated to uh So did you have like like did you quote give your heart to Jesus? Did you go up like did anything happen? No. Have you ever been slapped on the head and gone under like what happened we what happened is we were we were on a camping trip we were on a camping trip you know how we used to take those camping trips everybody got in the motorhome hume lake hume lake so <laughs> we're at hume lake and uh we we all got motorhomes and i like to fish so we're fishing at this lake but hume lake has christian conferences every they used to have them almost every week you know, they, you'd come in on a Friday and you'd stay till Sunday and leave. And, you know, they had food there and everything. And you had a cabin. So we're, we were there. We weren't with the Christ, Christian group there. We were just sitting in our campers fishing. You guys were the outsiders. And so, so, I, go, so I go to the convenience store there and I, and I want to get a six-pack of beer, you know, because I'd still have a couple beers now and then. Right. So I went in there. To the Christian store, and I asked the uh, old elderly lady there. I says, "Where's your beer?" And she says, "Oh, honey, we don't sell beer here." I says, "Okay, cool." I oh, you poor the- soul. We don't sell alcohol. <laughs> yeah, <your> heart. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so I, you know, dra- grabbed a six pack of Coke or whatever, 
And so that was on a Saturday. So Sunday, somebody heard through the grapevine, hey, they had a church there too. So we all went to church. I think it was Charlene, your mother, and I think Bob was there, your Uncle Bob. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting in church, and this guy is just delivering a hell and brimstone surface. What was his name? Because you have to Google him I'm getting scared. I'm getting scared, man. I'm I'm going to come and wrap this up. I got to get up to the altar. (laughs) What was his name? Because I Googled him. I don't, I don't, I forget his name. Was it the guy with the big hair? No, no, that was a different time. Okay. That was right. that was the Dwight Thompson. That Dwight Thompson, the, okay. The, so anyway, he's he's preaching this sermon, you know. Um, if you know, their their key phrase, if you die today, are you do you are you sure you're gonna go to heaven? Right. And I wasn't sure. So that fire insurance. Yeah. And so <laughs> but he went on and on and on and, and I, I go, I, I knew I says, I'm going up there. I'm gonna raise my hand or whatever it takes. So he finally made the altar call, and bam, my hand goes up, and I look around, and your mom's hands up. With she, she was already born again, but so he called called us up, and I was the only guy that went up there. Out of the whole place, out of the whole place. Because you all, cared, did you feel stupid, or didn't? No, nah, I, I didn't even. Look, I just happened to look around. Nobody was there, but your mother went with me. So and, what changed for you after that? Because let me ask you the first question. Because I grew up. Like, like I said, I mean, you were great. Like I, I experienced Christ so much through you and mom, and I'm so thankful for that. The way you came to Christ, it sounds like you were afraid. So you raised your hand. And then the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads people to pray. And so this is, a, I guess, a challenge I have. It's like, on one hand, it worked because you went up, you gave your life to Christ and you lived differently. But on the other hand, it's like, you don't want to scare people into Christianity. So is that was that a good technique or is it not? Like, what do you think now? Well, it, was, it worked for me because I mean, I, I was a good. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm a good person. I do this. I give to the poor," but that's not what Jesus says. He says, "You know, unless you surrender your heart to me, there's no place for you. So there's no gray area." So I knew I was like kind of living on the fence. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make a full out commitment. You know that you know. I, I, I never read, you know, I never read the word. And then, you know, like most, like most born again Christians, then I just plowed in there. I mean, I was listening to Christian radio, looking Jad Dobson, every Christian station I could find for about a year. I was just engulfed in it, you know. Why was it because you were afraid, or was it no, because you no, genuinely wanted no, the more? fear? You know, I actually, when I went went up there, I actually felt a change. I I, I felt like a. Um, like a command, hey, you got to start changing your life, you know, because I, you got to remember, I worked on construction sites, and you're you're just bombarded by foul language, you know, foul language, and you're working with all these different trades, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to live like that no more. I got a tough question for you. It's not going to be a tough question for you. It'll be a tough question for the listeners. It's about alcohol. My whole childhood, I remember you coming home from your hard day of work, and you always had a beer. And back then, you can drive with a six-pack right. of beer, and it wasn't a big right. deal. And I'd always, like, sneak and take a drink <laughs> of your beer. And then, of course, I drank a lot through college and stuff like that. I didn't have a problem, but, I mean, I've been right. drunk, you know. More times than we can count, probably, Dad. But anyway, uh, <laughs> today I don't really drink at all. Like, I think the last time I've been drunk is a long, long time. And now I, re- I could really say that I, that I don't drink. It's just it's not for me. Like, I felt like God told me a while, but like, it's not for you. Not so much wine. Like, I could have a glass of wine maybe once in a while, but in terms of, like, beer or hard alcohol, that's just, that's not for me. 
Mom gets sick and diagnosed with cancer for the first time, I believe, in 1986. 86. I was told by you Mar- that- March 11th, 1986. I, I think you told me that you made a deal with God that you wouldn't drink anymore yeah. if he healed her. Is that true? Is that my That's saying that true. right? Yeah. What happened? I I was I was in the um I was in the waiting room when she went in and she had this um she just had this lump, you know. She says, I I just feel like there's something wrong with my with my body, you know. Mm-hmm. So she went to her doctor a couple of times and he says, Oh, you know, they did these mammograms or whatever they do. It's just a cyst. It's don't worry about it, it's just a cyst. So finally she talked to her mother and she says, just get it out. Just get it out of there. Just go in there. And she says, I'm getting it out of there. So she demanded that her doctor do, you know, open her up and take the cyst out. And he didn't want to do it. He says, it's just a cyst. Trust me. Well, we went in there and it was early. She had an early morning surgery. And I remember sitting, sitting in um, the waiting room and the, you know, it was going to be like an hour. He goes, well, I'll be out of here. The doctor, Dr. Peter says, I'll be out of here in an hour. It's just, boom, take it out then. So I remember sitting in the waiting room, and I'm looking at the clock, and I was reading the sports page. And um, next thing I know, I, I wake up, and there's a, a Bible in my hand. I didn't bring a Bible. I didn't see a Bible there. And I'm already a born-again Christian then. So it was opened up to Psalms 138. And, it, and Psalms 138 says something about uh, I'm going to be your shield, uh, the enemies after you, this, or I don't know, I can't quote it for scripture, but it, something like that, I'll protect you. And then right after, I'm like, how did I get this Bible? And I kept reading reading that scripture, 138. Wow. I go, what does this mean? And so the doctor comes out, and I could see that he had been crying or something, because her and her doctor were really close, because she went to it there a lot. And I remember him coming up to me and saying, you know, some, something went wrong. There was cancer behind that cyst, and that's how I found out. I says, okay, well, what do we do next? And I just, because I just had this piece of me, because I just read that scripture, and he kind of looked at me like, what a callous guy, you know, what do we do next? I just told you that your wife has cancer, but I felt like, hey, we can handle this, you know, God's in control. And from there, you know, led us to right doctor in Long Beach. She did the implant, and then she but did was you cancer make, free. Did you, and did so, yeah, and so right then and there, I says, I got to, you know, I got to do something. I'd be proactive here and do something. And, you know, you're not supposed, it tells you in the Bible, you're not supposed to make vows because you can't keep them. Mm-hmm. So I just said, you know, I'm going to make a vow that I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quit drinking until she gets well. And so I quit drinking just like that. So I mean, I wasn't an alcoholic. I'd have a few beers a day. Right. But it's still. So, Why did you pick that? Why? Uh, it just seemed like a that was the best thing I could offer at the time because I don't I didn't smoke. Right. So I said, "What can I do?" You know, that's how my mentality my mentality was. What can I do to show God that hey, I want to make this right? So I thought, why not just give up drinking beer? I mean, it's cool because you honored that. You know what yeah. I mean and. You went through. So when, when mom like passed away, I, so, and we're going to get to the good stuff here because life's really good right now. But when she passed away that first year, I mean, for me, it was like a blur. What's the hardest part for, cause I know that there's people out there listening right now that are going through something like that. 
They feel scared. They feel alone. They feel crushed. They feel like they want to give up. For you, we were all grown, so you didn't really have anyone in the house with you. Like, I'd come over and stay a day or two. Yeah. Danielle, Timmy would come over and stay a day or two. But, you know, 95% of that time you spent alone yeah. in the house and stuff. A, what was that like? B, did you ever want to quit? I never wanted to, I never wanted to quit. I mean, I, I had a rough, I had a really rough time the first year. I'm not going to hide that fact, but, um, it was just like, you know, there, there, when somebody passes away, I'm not trying to make, make this sound like melodramatic, but there, there was like, like her spirit was still in that house for some Mm -hmm. reason. I mean, I, I I would go, I remember I, I would go, I still had her clothes, didn't get rid of her clothes yet. I'd go in the closet and I could, I could smell her, the fragrance of her perfume and stuff. And I, it it would just bring a smile to my face, you know? And, um, you know, Danielle, I remember Danielle staying there for like, right after she passed away for like two, maybe two weeks. And I remember thinking to myself after about a week, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Danielle, you're married. You know, you got a husband at home. You need you need to get home and take care of business. But um, I started, I actually started uh, hospice works with you. So this lady from hospice wanted wanted me to go into like grieve grieve counseling. And I'm going, you know, you know, I've been dealing with this for like six years. I don't need to go and listen to other people's story how they're getting through life. Right. I says I think I can do this on my own. And she says, well, can I pray with you at least? And I says, of course. She goes, because you've got to let all the tears, you got to let all your emotions out and tears and stuff like that. And I Which said, I'm yeah. sure you did, because didn't you cry a lot by yourself? Yeah, I okay. did. And so I says, yeah, I would love for you to pray with me. So she started praying with me and saying this beautiful prayer. And she started ending up her prayer. And I, I remember saying, well, you did your job. You got me balling, so I guess <laughs> right? I don't need to come in. So she told she told me, she says, one thing that's I find that's good for people, especially men, because men don't do it, she says, start a journal and document each day or write in it once a week. So I started writing in my journal, and it did help. It helped me. I mean, I remember writing in there, and for like a year or two straight, I would I was pretty frequent, frequent writing in that journal, and it did help, but... You know, it, it gets easier. It gets easier year after year. You know, the tough part is, you know, holidays, first Christmas without yeah. her, the first Thanksgiving without them, you know, it, and it's everything's the first. Her her first birthday, you know, not being here. So, but then I, as it goes on, it gets a little easier. I read that journal for the first time about two months ago because I came and visited you at your yeah. house. And then you said, hey, like you kind of like, hey, I, I've been writing journals too. And it, you know, I've been writing this for 16 years. I'm like, dude, can I read it? You said, yeah. I mean, dude, the plane ride home from California to Tennessee, I think the lady next to me thought I was having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I, I don't think I cried that much since she passed away. And it was a combination between, you know, reliving, you know, those bad, bad memories, but also, I'm going to cry right now the integrity that you had through that process, the way that you took care of her, but also like the way that you relied on God during your deepest hours. Like there were sometimes you'd write in there, you'd write stuff like, I'm so lonely. 
I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but God, I trust you. Yeah. Like that, that's all you could say. What was the difference between, you know, going back to like, let's just say your first divorce and you weren't a believer. We didn't talk about it too much. We kind of breezed over it, but I'm sure that was tough versus, you know, losing the love of your life after 30, how many years were you married? 30, 34 years, 34 years, but you're with God. Cause it's still hard. Yeah. And I just think, I think a lot of people nowadays, like they kind of incorporate God into their life because they think they're going to have a better one or they kind of like, well, I tried that Jesus thing, but it didn't really work out yeah. for me because so-and-so died or this person still got sick. It's like life still happens, right? What's the difference between going through a hardship as a non-believer versus going through a heartbreak as a believer? Oh, it's, it's totally different because because it's like you say, you're going, if you're not a non-believer and you're, you're, you're going through the hardship of a divorce or whatever. So then you start, then you start blaming God for the, for the events that are happening. Oh, well, you know, I'm this, I'm that, but look what God's doing to me. But it's like you say, it's life. When, when you, when you're a believer in, in, in somebody, dies or somebody you get a divorce or something you know that you have that extra strength with god you know you, you don't like being in that situation of course but the bottom line is you know you're not there alone you, you know you're not you're not there alone and so it's a total it's 100 percent different you know that's the way i look at it what did you do to get through that because i mean reading that journal Holy smokes, man! There, I, were, there were some heavy days in the beginning. Heavy days. I had to just, I had to just get up. I, I told myself, I says, you, you just wanted for probably two or three months. All I wanted to do was lay in bed and not do nothing. Ugh. I mean, it's it's the worst. And so I just told myself, I started telling myself, get up and do something, even if just get in your car and drive somewhere. And then also what really helped me is because that was a tough year because I lost my mother-in-law in, uh, Grandma Anita. We lost her in uh, April. April. And then mom passed away in July. And I remember her saying, you know, if anything ever happens to me, make sure you take care of my father. And so then he passed away in uh, October or November. But I remember... For the first six months, that also helped me because I would go over to his house, mm -hmm. and he was in a assistant living, and I'd take him for rides and stuff, you know, because your mother said, you know, promise me that you'll take care of him, you know. So I, I did I did what I could. I'd go over there two or three times a week. So that really helped me, getting out of the house, getting in the car, taking him and got my mind off of, of what I was going through because he wasn't in very good shape either, you know. When... How long did it take? I know you probably can't put a, a specific time on it, but like, I guess I'm asking how long or when did maybe like the depression lift to where, you know, you know, cause you and mom would drive up to the mountains a lot and you would fish. Right. You've always, you love fish your yeah. whole life. You love yeah. fishing. Always have. Yeah. Maybe after she passed, I don't know. I'm asking this. Maybe after she passed away, like things just aren't as fun anymore. Maybe you don't want to go for it. You know what I mean? Like, no, you know, things that you used to do, you just don't really want to do anymore. Did that happen to you? It it was more of a, more of a thing. Like, you know, I, I can remember the first, probably the first year, maybe a year and a half where 
I made myself go fishing. I, you know, I got up, but I didn't have that same excitement of going, right. you know, I'm going to go to fish and, you know, maybe I'll catch a fish, maybe I'm not. But before it was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to show these guys, I'm going to catch the biggest fish, you know? Right. But yeah, you kind of force yourself to do things because you know, that's the right thing to do. You can't lay around waller in bed all day long and feel sorry for yourself. How? It, it happens to everybody. How important was, and don't just say this because you're sitting here and I'm your son and stuff, but like, be honest. How important was family? How family. important was your kids to keep you going? And family did we, was did we ever bug you? No, family was huge because, uh, like I say, I didn't. I had, I had a lot of close church friends, but it's not the same. You can, you can open up to them, but you can't really open up to them with family you can, you know, you can t really open up because you're comfortable with them and they're comfortable with you. You don't have to put on a charade, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, family was big part of pulling me through that. Big, did, big part. Did we ever bug you? Did you ever want us to leave so you could just be alone? No, no, you never bugged me. I mean, I, I remember, I remember taking, taking care of going over to Danielle's house and taking care of her kids. And it was like, like another day out, another Another step forward. I am, I'm going to go over there and take care of her three kids. She was working. I remember taking care of Jackson and Canaan a couple of times, but it was one, something to do, you know? One of my favorite, I mean, the, the last month of my mom's life is a memory that I push far, far, far out because it was so bad and gruesome and not cool. The one story that I love, though, about her last days was the moment that you got with her before she transitioned to heaven. Tell us about that. because The, our, the moment what? The moment that she passed away. Oh. Because our house was filled with friends, yeah. family. She had two best friends, Vicky and Jan, that just took care of her. Like Vicky is or was a nurse, or probably still is. But someone was always around mom. Yeah. So you didn't really get one-on-one -on -one time with her and people, you know, meant well, same with you, but what, what happened right before she passed away? Cause I think it, 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 in a way it really is a beautiful story. Yeah. So yeah, like you say, the house is full and you know, everybody's, everybody's always checking on her, you know, and, and, you know, not, not to diminish God's power, but you know, a lot of people thought, you know, Hey, she's going to pull through this hundred percent, hundred percent, you know, and, you could see her struggling in, in the bed. So all these people around her, and I remember sitting, sitting on the uh, on the couch over there by the window by the pool, and I'm thinking, you know, I I, I got to get, you know, I, I got to get some alone time with her. And, and then something happened. They all went in the dining room, and so I had that one little moment. And she went up to her, went on her bed, grabbed her hand, and I was, I was just kind of praying to myself, you know, you know. Lord, be merciful. Uh, you know, I don't think I ever said Lord healer, but I was, I was just saying, Lord, you know, give her mercy and let let her pass in peace. You know, don't let her because she was struggling breathing and this and that. And I remember watching her breathe, and she would she would like take a deep breath, and then nothing. And I, I would I was sitting there counting, and it would be like one, two, three, four. And, I think it got up to like 10 and then then take another deep breath. And you could kind of sense that it yeah. was coming to an end. 
And I remember sitting there for maybe two or three minutes, watching her breathe. I'm sitting there praying, closing my eyes, and I'll open my eyes every now and then. And I watched it one last time. She took that breath. And I'm counting one, two, three, four. Gets, up, gets past 10, 13, 14. Jeez. And I thought, that's it. She's gone. I remember, I remember calling you guys in and saying, hey, your mother's gone. And I felt bad that nobody else was there, but at the same well, time, you, was, at the same time, it felt felt like it was for me. You know, it was like it was almost like telling her, "It's okay." You know, you yeah. fought your best, yeah. you run your race. Now go get your reward. <laughs> you know, and that's just the way I felt. You know, and and I remember the pastor. I remember the pastor coming over with a bunch of uh, the, you know, a couple board <laughs> members of church, and they. We went outside by the garage there and he pray and he says, Tim, what do you want to pray for? Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, I, I just I just want you to pray that she will have a peaceful, peaceful transformation, trans- transformation as she makes her journey up there. Dude. You're a good man. It was, it, was, it was a tough, tough day. So then that first year, like we talked about, was rough. And then I watched you start to you know, life was different, obviously. And I watched you start to live an independent life. And you were, honestly, you did really, really well. Like, you've just, I don't know, man. You've just all, like, you've been, you've always been such a great dad. Like, you're the guy, you've never missed any of my Little League games. You went to pretty much every freaking football game, whether I was my freshman year where I played one play and I sucked versus my senior year where I started and played every play. And then, you know, the Rose Bowl, we had more people at the Rose Bowl than any other person on either Purdue's team or Washington's team. I think we had 250 people there or something. Something like that. 50-yard line. I mean, you never missed a game with mom. You never left her side. I mean, most people say, you know, uh, my dad taught me how to be a man. And that's true, but I could honestly say my dad taught me how to treat a woman. And take care of a woman. I appreciate that. And I'm the man I am today because <laughs> of my pops. Like you, you're just loyal. I call you old faithful. Yeah. Cause you are just always there. You you're a good man. I watched you get, I don't want to say get better because you weren't sick, but I watched you like, I don't know, like elevate in your stature. Like you got like you didn't lose your confidence. Like I never saw you as like a widower or yeah. a weak man. Like you still had your swag because you were only how old were you when she passed away 60 so yeah 2004 so i was uh 61 so it's 61 years old yeah i mean that sounds old to some people but 61's not old like not in these days no and you told me straight up you said i don't want to be alone like i i still want a companion i want a woman and us and the kids always wanted that for you and we'll we'll end here in the next probably five minutes but at first a woman and out of respect for her and other people, let's call her Sally woman came into your life. We'll call her Sally. It just didn't feel right. It felt very, and and tell me if I'm wrong or right. It felt forced. And I remember having conversations with you. You're like, and you, you would always say I'm lonely. Well, I'm lonely. I like her around. She's fun, but I'm lonely. I think I'm going to marry her because I'm lonely. And I always felt like, Loneliness should not be a motivation for marriage. That's Love true. should be. Yeah. What happened? Like, kind of talk about all that, like what she did, why she was good, and then we're going to get to where you're at right now, which is phenomenal. 
Well, yeah, she she was younger than me, you know, and which I, never I, bothered me, by the way. Yeah, she was younger than me, and I was kind of flattered. But yeah, everything, you know, it is it, it, it was. It was it wasn't like I seen her every day, but on the weekends we would go out and it was fun mm -hmm. and this and that. But it just seemed to me like, you know, not not to put her down or nothing, but it just it never seemed right for me because because why? Just because a feeling? Well, well, first of all, people say, well, age doesn't matter. It does matter. Really? I mean, yeah, it does matter because if you're twenty years if you're twenty years older than somebody. I mean, I'm looking from my perspective. I'm not looking for her perspective. She's 20 years younger than me. So I'm looking at, okay, when I get 80, she's 60. I don't want her taking care of me when she could have a better life. You know what I mean? So I, I always looked at it as that. And I and I just thought, you know, if I got to choose family family over over her, my family comes first. So that was my big motivation. So you definitely felt that way? Yeah, because that kind of makes me sad. No, it <laughs> makes me sad that we made you feel that. No, way. even though you, I mean, you, if we're being honest, we kind of did. You, you you didn't you didn't make me feel that way, but I knew in the back of my mind that that I don't know. I just kind of felt like this. It's not going to work for me. I mean, you know, from our perspective, it just always felt forced. Yeah, it felt like you weren't. Because I can honestly, I don't think. I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't feel like you were still grieving mom, were you? No. You weren't no. I don't I don't think you were. No. It was I, it was more like, you know, we would have a couple months together, then we'd have a fight, and I wouldn't talk to her for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And then she she'd be doing her thing and then we you know How would you get back? Would she call you or would you call her? Because I remember you being broke up for two months and then all of a sudden we'd be at a yeah. family party and it's like, oh my god, she's here again. We would we would just run into each other at church and then just you know, take it from. To hey, you look really good in that dress. You want to go to Chili's? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, it just, it just seemed like, you know, in the back of my mind. In fact, I used we used to go out and and people would comment and and, and I'd make her mad and I go, yeah, you know, oh that's nice and because I still I still wore my wedding ring. I never took my wedding ring off. So why? That's I just never did. I just never took kind of jacked up for her, right? Yeah, and it was jacked up for her. We would go out, and I, I would say, "Yeah, isn't I brought my daughter out for a lot?" Oh. And, oh, she would get so mad. <laughs> you know, that's you know. So I was probably not very kinder in certain areas, you know. But there was a point. It was your birthday. We thought you guys were broken up, but you yeah. showed up to the party with her. Yeah, that was a shock. Yeah. And then what was equally a shock is Eli. I'm bringing you into the story now. We were all singing, and all the kids and grandkids are gathered <laughs> around my dad. Yeah. It's my dad. He's the freaking man. Right. Like, he's all the stuff we've talked about today. Yeah. Like, dude, this guy has one in life. Yeah. He's the freaking the Jacob that has turned into Israel. Right. This is our man. <laughs> right. And we're all gathered out. Happy birthday to you. And we're all clapping. He freaking leans back and goes, <laughs> Slaps a wedding, <laughs> slaps a wedding ring on the table. He goes, "Well, now's a good time as any." I asked her to marry me, and we're like, uh. "What?" <laughs> and needless to say, I got up, I went into the bathroom, I cried, I punched the stall about four times because I might have had anger issues at the time. But um, that was a bomb drop. Why did you do that? I don't know. 
<laughs> I really don't know why I did it. I have no answer for that. I honestly do. Okay. I mean, e even after I did that, and Grant, you know, I'm not gonna not gonna bash her. She she was a she she's gonna make somebody a great wife. Right. She, she's a good person. She did have a lot of great qualities. Deep down inside, she's a great great person. She's a good Christian, but it just. You might say it was for I I did in a way feel forced by her, but you know that's that what was that five six years ago you know yeah. so I mean but I just never I never felt that it was right you know I, right. I just in my mind I thought but you were going through with it anyway and I'm yeah. saying that because I know there's people listening right now that are either the kids yeah. or the parents going through that and they might do it and if it doesn't feel right don't do it right yeah don't do it no. Not only because it, your life can go down a, a, a different path that's probably not the best one, but you might miss out on God's best for you, yeah, right. which for our family, my dad, her name is Holly, right. and we're bringing her in right now in this story, and we freaking love her. Yeah. She's the best. That's so good. <laughs> to the point to where now I'm like, man, I can't believe she really takes my dad and puts yeah. like, she's the bomb.com. So... Uh, before Holly came in the picture, I remember sitting down with you, dad, after it was evident you're yeah. going to marry this woman, Sally. Um, and you and I, we went to Millie's and I said to you straight up, I don't want you to be alone. I want you to be with a woman. Yeah. And if this is the woman you're going to choose, I'll support you. I'll back you right. up. But I don't think loneliness is a motivation and is a motivator to build a marriage on. You want to build it on love. And I don't know how I walked away praying like, God, if this is the woman you want from, let him move forward. And if it's not, don't let it happen. I remember getting a call from you like two days later and you're like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Broke it off and we're not getting back together. What happened? Well, after, after I did what you call the, the bomb when I dropped the ring, I, I, I had a sick feeling. I mean, my gut was telling me this ain't right. And it went on for, I don't know, a week or two. And then, um, that was my birthday and we broke up before valentine's Day, so we were only engaged for what not even two months was the breakup hard because that's scary dude it it just i don't know i mean it it was she came to the door and and i i i told her i says you know it, i can't go through it she was you know ordering wed, wedding dresses and making all these plans and Oof. this and that and i'm thinking i know we got, each hey, day dude, we got to save the date Oh really? Mail. Yeah. You each day, each dates. day, each day, I started getting more and more anxiety, and I'm thinking this something's not right. I'm Dude, not. I'm supposed to be. Not about that. You sent out save the dates, man. Yeah, and then oh, I'm I'm getting man. more and more anxiety, and I'm thinking, I don't think I can go through this, man. I'm just. Which gives me even more respect for you, not because, like, dude, that's hard. Very hard. And you're 69, 70? If you're 76 right now, you've been married for four years. You had to be 70. Close to it, yeah. 69 or 70, and you called it off, which shows a lot of guts on your part. And then I remember you after that, you were kind of broken. You were like, I'm, I'm done. Maybe yeah, a woman's I'm just done. not my future. And that made me sad because part of me is like, well, I'm the reason my dad's going to be freaking by himself. So I started pushing you, and I remember having a conversation with you, and I said, Dad. Get back in the game. I said, get back in the game, dude. It's 2014, 2015. Like, times are different. You got to get online. And you're like, I ain't doing that online stuff. I'm 70 years old. And 
There's weirdos out there. And I remember talking with you. It's like, yeah, there are weirdos out there, but there's also good people. And you did the online thing. I think I got him on match.com. And then he evolved and went and he found it on his own. He went to a place called our time. Okay. Which is for like, you know, older people in his position. And he went out with a couple weirdos and I would talk like it was fun. Like dad, how was the date? It was all right. You know, she was ugly. (laughs) <laughs> but she was nice and then it was like she was really good looking but you know she's not it and one night he comes home and when my dad's mad at me he calls me matthew day to day he calls me matt and when he's excited he calls me maddie nice and he comes home one night and i was staying with him a lot yeah because yeah. i was traveling um i don't know what i was doing but i remember what was oh when i would fly in when I would do home and family and stuff on Hallmark Channel, I would stay the night at your house a lot. Yeah. And he comes home one night, and I was waiting for because he went on a date. And he comes home, and he goes, I found her, Maddie. I found the one, Maddie. This is it, Maddie. And it was different. That's awesome. And I was like, who is she? Tell me all about her. He goes, she's beautiful. She's classy. She's smart. She has a family. She has a life. She's an ex-teacher. She's an ex-teacher, right? Yeah. She's an ex-teacher. Like, she's got three kids. They're good kids. They have grandkids. Like, she's got she's got it going on. And instantly, That's awesome. I liked her without even meeting her because he liked her. That's so good. And then, so tell us how you met Holly and so, what yeah. happened. So, Real yeah. quick, why he's doing that, look at me. Tell me a story how you met Holly. I'm going to run here for two seconds. Go. Tell us about the night you met Holly and... Okay, so, so yeah, like you say, you you got me on, uh, you got me on match, and then I think I think you signed me up for three three months, and then you renewed it, and I said don't don't use your credit card no more. So I finally went on a couple dates, like you say, and they didn't pan out. You know, and I was down to like the last two or three days, and I said, hey, I'm done. So I see her, I see her profile on, on the website and something happened where we taught and we talked for hours on the phone and then something come up to where I had to go somewhere or some family thing. And I, I tried to set something up with her and, but I was going to be gone for a week. And so I get back to her, I think on a following Monday and said, okay, where, where do you, where's a convenient place to meet? We go to lunch or something. So we go to lunch at the Spectrum out there, and we're sitting there eating lunch, and I could see instantly through the phone call and through just talking to her that, yeah, there's, there's something here. There's a good connection. So we're sitting there. We eat lunch, and I remember I just wanted to make the milk the day, make it last longer, so... We're sitting there eating lunch. We get done eating lunch, and I said, uh, hey, you want to go to get a cup of coffee? So we go to this other restaurant, get a cup of coffee, and we're sitting there talking and talking, and I'm thinking, all right, I haven't done this in a while, so how am I going to ask her, when, when, what's the right protocol to ask her for another date? So I'm sitting there thinking, and we're talking and talking, and so this was on a this was on a Thursday. I believe it was on a Thursday. Might have been a Friday, but I'm pretty sure it was on Thursday. And I said, so um, 
she was sitting across from me like you, and I said, uh, so what are you doing this weekend? And she leaned over the table and said, I don't know. What am I doing this weekend? <laughs> and so right then and there, I said, oh, yeah, I like this. So we set up another date, and we went out the following, uh, I think it was on a Saturday, went out to dinner, and I remember after dinner, we went on the, the Huntington Beach Pier, and we're walking on the pier. We're holding hands, doing the whole thing. I remember trying to sneak. I, you know, you know, our second date. I go, can I kiss her now? Yeah, so I, I went, boy. I went in for one, and re she responded. And I so said, as oh. you're leaning in, do you wait? Like, do you see if she leans in too? Yeah, but you I, knew, like, right? Yeah, I kind of knew. Yeah. Was she affectionate right away? Like, was she holding oh, yeah. your hand and yeah, like we, touching you, rubbing? Right. Like, well, I did first, like. Right when we went, right after lunch, we were walking through the spectrum, and I just grabbed her hand, and she she loved that because she's very affectionate. She she's always wanting to hold hands. That's good. Even now, like you know, they've been married now for four years. <clears throat> I just love it. Like you know, y'all are staying, which is why you're here in person. You flew in from California to, you know, watch your boy announce the uh, Titans game. We took down the Chiefs. Oh. Shut down the Chiefs. Dude, they shut them the down. Dude, buried them. Freaking buried them. <laughs> Um, but you know, they're staying in our house and she's just comfortable. Like you, it feels good to see, like she likes my dad and rubs my dad and like, you know, what does she call you? Sugar or something? <laughs> what does she do? What does she call you? She calls you like sugar, sugar, sweetie, sweetie. Like she's very affectionate and it's a good, I don't know, man, it's a good feeling. Like it's not a weird feeling. Yeah. It's not like with the other one, it was almost like, it was always like, who's this woman trying to take the place of my mom right it's not like that and it's not because i'm older it's because it's right yeah you know what i mean like this is right the other one wasn't so like it it feels good to see her do that you know to my dad to where the other one was like right <laughs> don't touch him don't you touch him <laughs> um so how did you ask her to marry you? And I'm, I'm saying this because like, I really do think it's going to encourage people who, whether it's a divorce, a relationship that didn't work out or what someone passed away and you think you lost the love of your life, whatever it is, like there's still life after a broken relationship. Right. There's still life. And it doesn't matter how old you are because you didn't meet Holly until you were 70. That's huge. Well, actually 71, 71. Yeah. Like you found love at 71. Yeah. That's huge. Like that doesn't happen. And I, I really do think it's a combination of your integrity, the man you are, your walk with God, but also making some tough decisions. Like right. you made tough decisions. You were lonely and you wanted before, but you made the tough decision. Like one of my biggest pet peeves is when people that just sit back, well, God's going to be God and we'll see what <laughs> God does. It's like, no yeah. dummy. God's not going to pick and choose people for you. You like, you got to make yeah. your free will choice. And that was tough for him. Right. And a lot of people do get married and based relationships after that off of loneliness. And it's not the best. Well, I think, I think what, what you did, like when, when you put me online, I remember you creating my pro profile. Cause I'm, I'm not a technology guy. I don't know how to do that. And you go, what do you want me to write? And I go, just write what I'm, what I am, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, you read some of these profiles, you know, 65-year-old woman, oh, I go to the beach every day and work out, and I, I do this, and I go to the gym, and I go, 
how do you find any time to have any fun? You, you're always working or you're at the beach. So I just, you know, on my profile, I just said, you know, I, I have a family. I spend a lot of time with my family. I go to church every Sunday. You know, I didn't want to sound like a preacher, but I mean, you know. Right. So you, you kind of weed out the phonies, you know. And so, uh, you know, that's... That has a lot to do with it. I mean, you, you, you made an honest profile. Honest this profile. This is who I am. Because then you never had to fake it when you met him. No. Because then you didn't have to look and at him had, and be like, and what had, do you mean you go to the beach every day? You're as white as a ghost. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> but what'd you say? You went, But she had a lot. She had a, her profile was the same. She Her profile kind of matched mine. You know, she had a family. She, she was a, a believer. You know, that's huge. If you. If if a believer goes out with a non-believer, I don't I don't really seriously know how that's all going to work, you know. Mm -hmm. So I mean, she had a lot to offer, a lot at the table, so that was kind of an easy choice. But we hit it off right away. I mean, I I kind of knew, you know, I kind of knew right away. Like if I'm going to get married, this this is a keeper here. How uh, how'd you ask her to marry you? That's very uncomfortable. I mean, you, you it's I'm not a romantic guy, I guess. It's uncomfortable to tell or it's uncomfortable to it's do. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to probably because I took I actually took the ring that the girl when I dropped the engagement on, she mm -hmm. gave me the ring back. So Thank goodness. I always wondered that. Yeah. Right. I didn't know the answer. She 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 gave me the ring back. So I didn't. I didn't want to give her the same ring, so it was a pretty expensive ring. So I had your jeweler mm -hmm. design a ring. George is George the man. The, George the jeweler, but the the proposal came. It was like we were making a drug deal. He drove up in a part. We met him in a parking lot. He made the ring, and we're in the back seat of his car and he's showing us a ring and everything. And I said, okay, there, there's a ring there. Oh, is. she was with you. She was with me. <laughs> oh, so she knew you were designing an engagement ring. We went out and we went out and, uh, looked at rings and then we took the ring oh. to your guy and, and he, he created the ring and he, he made the ring for her. It was in the back seat of his car. It was like we're making a drug deal, and she always says, she she always says, well, you didn't drop. You know, when we were a kid about it. I go, hey, we're not sixteen anymore. I'm not gonna drop on my knee and do all this. That's funny because yeah. yeah, you never think about it. Like I thought you were gonna like release doves on a bridge. No, and, we didn't. You know, lay her on. A I'm sorry. Bed of lily pads and just <laughs> float away into the ocean as a married couple. <laughs> but instead, it was a drug deal in the back of a car, and you said, here you go. Toots, we're Let's doing do this. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had the honor of marrying you. Yes. Thank you. How was it? The wedding. Well, you can see some of my wedding pictures. I got a big old smile on my face. It was a great. It really was a good It was day. a great wedding. She she says she she's really sentimental about that wedding. She says it was the best day of her life. That's so awesome. And it's so encouraging at 71, 72 years old. And dude, it wasn't weird. There were no uncomfortable stares across the room wondering if her kids like us or we like them or right. is this the woman for my dad? Like there was none of that. Yeah, no, it no. was the way it should be. Yeah. As as perfect as it could be under the circumstances because dude, you freaking did the right things, dad. Well, not only that, but I think a couple of weeks before that we remember we we arranged a dinner and we all met there so everybody mm -hmm. could meet each other. And I love her family. Like we don't kick it. We're like, we're not super tight and stuff, but like, dude, her, all of her grandkids and her kids, like they're 
they're great people. That's cool. And even now, like when there's challenges, you know, not to get too much into it, but about two years ago, my dad's coming out and he lost his footing and slipped and freaking nailed his head oh, man. on the sink or the toilet or something and passed out. <laughs> and she called her son and her son was there. Norris. Hey, yeah. That's awesome. Freaking Chuck Norris, bro. No, his name's <laughs> Norris. And he's there and he took care. Cause like I'm in Tennessee. Like I can't help. Right. My sister lives an hour away. My brother's gone. Like that's cool. Her family's awesome. Yeah. Like it's, it's the way it should be. That's so good. And so you're happy now. You're married. Very happy. Yeah. What's the best part about being remarried third time at 77? First was a divorce. Second was a death. Now here you are like, what's different? What's, what's good about it? It's, it's, um, it's totally, I mean, with your mother, with your mother, with your mother, it was, with my first marriage was, was very short, very immature. I was very immature. I'm not going to say Barbara was immature, but I was very immature. I, I probably shouldn't have got married. Second marriage, your mother was the love of my life. I mean, I, we would still be married today, no doubt in my mind. This marriage is, it's kind of like, it's like a companionship. I mean, we, it's kind of like your mother. We know, we kind of know what, what each other's thinking without speaking. And it's just, you know, we, we got the same interests, you know, she likes to do gardening. I'm not so much, but I help her. But I mean, we got, we got a lot of the same interests. We're both, you know, we're both good good christians i mean we go to we do our church thing and everything but mm -hmm. it's it's just very a very easy smooth marriage i mean you know we we have our arguments when i'm driving mm -hmm. she doesn't like my driving <laughs> mom didn't like your driving and i don't like I'm your driving so it's not her <laughs> what's that say <laughs> oh dad <laughs> there's a there's a saying that the last thing I see when I get off the freeway is the finger. So, <laughs> so I guess that I guess I'm not a good driver. <laughs> You're not a good driver, but you are a good man. Pops has good taste. Barbara, smoke show. My mom, smoke show. Holly, smoke show. Dad knows what he's doing. Loves them blondes, don't you, Dad? <laughs> he loves them blondies. What 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 did what did uh one of your friends say? What uh who was it says dang he married Dolly Parton? <laughs> <laughs> who who said, said that? I don't know. Well, somebody said it. I can't remember. One of your one of your friends or somebody. I, I forget who it was. Probably Caleb. My boy Caleb always says the best one liners. No, Dad, I love you. I love you too. You're a great man. You're a better man. You're the best man. No, I'm not. We always ask our guests to leave one, like almost like Jerry Springer's final thoughts, whether it's your favorite quote, your favorite Bible verse, or just like a life lesson. What would you, what will be your final thoughts as you leave our listeners and, you know, on the show about anything in life? What would you say? Oh my, let's see. Um, I think I would, I think I would quote a Bob Dylan, a Bob Dylan oh, yes. phrase. Come on, daddy. Want, want me to bring it? Yeah, what is it? There's no success like failure, and failure's no success at all. Figure that one out. Don't make a bit of sense, but it does. There's no so, success like failure, and failure is no success at all. So in other words, when you fail at something, what do you got to do? You got to get up and try it again. 
and you, and you fail again, you get up and try it again. Because failure, you got to take the last line. Failure's no success at all. Failure's no success at all. Yeah. Now I get it. You get it? I like that. Failures. There's, there's no success. No success. There's no success like failure. In other words, you learn from your failures. I get it. And failures. And failures. No success at all. See, I didn't get it, and now I get it. You got to get it. Yeah, I love that. That's how Dylan is. Nobody says I can't understand what he's what he's talking about. I thought I had to be high to understand Dylan, but I'm completely I sober think, right I now, and I get it. And, uh, inhaled a lot, <laughs> but like, I, I, I and you can use that, and fa- when, and you can use that. You can use that. And failures, dot dot dot, no success at all. Mm-hmm. Dad. You're the best man I ever met. Thank you. I love you, buddy. Thanks you're, for doing this. You're a great son. Did you like it? It was fun. Are you glad you did it? Yeah, kind of. Six out of ten. What's that? You like it? Yeah, it was fun. You're the man. That's my pops. That is the man that made the man right here. <laughs> That's right. The man that made me the man I am. Um, if you like this, if you think this can encourage someone, which I know it can, uh, please like, subscribe, and share like we always ask and we always do. Eli, we yeah. laughed, we cried, we got educated today. Yeah, we got back into it. Pops is the real deal. That's right. Pops don't mess around. Man. Good guy. <laughs> good guy. Uh, and you're a good person. Again, if you like, subscribe, and share, thank you so much. Every week, we are back, and we have unbelievable guests. So please, please, please share this podcast, and please don't forget to uh, be real with your loved ones. Love them. Talk to them. Call him to the carpet. Good. Hope for the best for him. Pray with him. And, uh, you know, make him listen to Level Up. <laughs> It'll be good. Right. All right. Thank you for another week of joining us. This has been another episode of Level Up.